mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. Hey guys, this is a special episode of Math Before Breakfast. We are on location in Richmond, Virginia, and we are so excited to welcome a friend of ours, Holly Tate. Hi, Holly. Hi. Um, And Ruth is joining us from back home in her house. Um, Hey, Ruth. Hey. And before we go any further, we have to say that it's Ruth's birthday. And so I'm going to sing you, Ruth, I'm going to sing you the birthday song. You ready? Oh, dear. Don't say, oh, dear. You had to know it was coming. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Yay. So Ruth knows I do that in my class for anybody who has a birthday. We don't sing the real birthday song. Well, yes, we do. For my birthday. I have to do a little talking math with your kids. My daughter called me yesterday and said, hey, mom, you are one day from rounding up to 50. Wow. Dang. Whoa. I wasn't like impressed with her math, but. So, so on, on, um, Mitt boss, when people post that it's their birthday, they often give little like clues without saying what their number is. They'll say like, I'm a prime number and I have, you know, these, my, the sum oh, of so the digits is whatever. Clue. So that's a perfect thing that you need to post on Twitter. Right? Yeah. And then how many ages could it be that would be one day away from rounding to 50? Yeah. How many possible ages could you be? Oh, because if you were like 54, mm-hmm. getting ready to turn 55, mm-hmm. which is not Ruth. <laughs> all right well we are going um we invited holly to talk to us about her research um we holly and i are two weeks away from finishing our the same program that's how i met holly in the math specialist program and so she's going to talk about her research i do want to not just like jump in i want to ask a few more questions that I know some of the answers to, but I think we've kind of asked a lot of the guests that we've had. Okay. So, um, Holly, if you will tell us a little bit about your teaching journey, like did you always start out knowing you wanted to be a teacher and what have you taught and what are you doing now? Yeah, I was one of the kids who at in third grade was like, I'm going to be a teacher one day. And so I knew from the get-go that I was going to be a teacher. And um, I'm very fortunate to have had lots of mentors who have kind of shaped me. I, I wasn't expecting to go straight from college into teaching math right away. But I got a fifth grade position and my wonderful principal said, okay, you're going to teach all the, all the math for the fifth grade and teach all the math. You get all all the the math. math. (laughs) And I wasn't expecting it, but I loved it. I loved every second of it. And she really supported me and I had a great team and that just kind of sparked the journey. And then, um, a math coach position came available and I, I had to go for it because I loved the math, um, teaching and just developing those, um, passionate problem solvers with kids so much that I wanted to try the leadership role of it. And I got that position. And now mm-hmm. fast forward four years later, and I'm starting my fifth year as a coach. That's awesome. At yeah. a new school. At a new school. So yeah. I'm starting in a STEM school, which I'm very excited That's about. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So did you, are you getting your math specialist degree now? Yes. So Tracy and I, I'm in the same program as Tracy and okay. we finished. So you just got hired as a teacher, but they hired you as a coach? 
Like you were so good that you got the coach position before you had the degree to go with it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. You don't need in in where I'm where I work. You don't need a math specialist degree to get the coaching position. So I I was able to get awesome. the position prior to the degree. Yep. Granted, I will say that I'm a completely different coach now because of the program than I was four years ago when I started. Yeah. Cool. So I've learned a lot. So Holly, tell us um, about your memories or impressions of math as a kid, because we know that for a lot of people that really impacts how you teach. Yeah, I, it, I was, I always loved math, but I loved, I was just good at memorizing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really, I didn't know math the way I know math now. So mm-hmm. I loved it just because I was good at memorizing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that I'm lucky that that happened because the memorization piece of it led me to pursuing it later because I loved it, but I didn't know it the way we are teaching kids now and hoping for kids to really understand math now. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I know I'm going to kind of roll through these questions, our beginning questions quickly, because we have a short week. We don't have all the time in the world. Um, But you've been posting a lot on Twitter and Facebook lately about talking math with your daughter. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Maybe tell us a story or two from recently. Yeah, it's... It's Ava's, Ava's my four-year-old, or five, she just turned five. She's starting kindergarten in the fall, and it, she's at this age of truly starting to discover mathematical ideas and relationships, even though she doesn't know that that's what it is yet. And so um, recently, we've been thinking a lot about number combinations and part whole, okay. and really thinking about fluency within four and five. And a recent conversation actually happened yesterday, right mm-hmm. after you called me, um, she was asking about Tracy's daughter, and Tracy's daughter is 10. Well, I told her she was 10. I thought she was 10. Yeah. And Ava's five. And so we. I showed 10 on my fingers, and then I showed five on my fingers, and I and I just I ask a lot of notice and wonder questions. So, Ava, what do you notice if, if Adelie is 10 and you're five? What do you notice about that? And it was interesting because at first she, was, she just said, well, we must be the same age. We're the same because we both have five. And, I, and then I just posed a few more questions about it. I was like, well, think about the fives. You, you're right. You notice a, a connection between the two that there are fives. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I have one five and Adelie has two oh, fives. how cool. Yeah. And she was showing that on her fingers, which was a really cool idea. And so she's just starting to make these connections about numbers themselves and then patterns everywhere. And, and um, just asking questions, I think, is the biggest. Like, mm-hmm. what are you wondering about? And, and if you have a problem, what kind of solution? I, I try to always push it back on her. Well, you have this problem, so what are you going to do to solve it? Even mm-hmm. just everything in the real world. Yeah. Zoe just turned two, and she's just at a point of kind of maybe understanding what one is. Like, bring okay. me one thing <laughs> yeah. instead of ten diapers. Bring me one <laughs> diaper. Right. <laughs> so she's not quite – she's just doing some rote counting. But yeah. I feel like I, um, you know, didn't really, I wasn't so much into the math about how kids learn really basic ideas when my kids were little. So it's fun to hear, to watch kind of what's happening with Ava, you know, because I kind of started knowing what was going on, you know, once they were more like in first or second grade is when I started to It was more like when they were in high school and college. Yeah. (laughs) But you're still asking as a math teacher mom. (laughs) And you're still asking those same types of questions, noticing and wondering just about different things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, But when your five-year-old notices and wonders, you typically know the answer. When my college kid (laughs) noticed and wondered, I'm like, oh, 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Ask your dad. <laughs> then your house. Ask Google. <laughs> yep. Um, so Holly, what, um, what would you, so, so thinking about like being a parent of a little kid, a young preschool kid or kindergarten kid, what would you want your kids, moms, that's a lot of apostrophe S's there, but what would you want them to, what would you say to them about math and having a preschooler? recently friends have been asking me this question because we're entering that stage of school and kindergarten. And, um, so many times parents want to jump to technology and jump to, well, what app can I download Mm -hmm. to help support my, my kid in math? And, and I, I guess my number one thing would be, don't do Mm -hmm. that. Don't Mm -hmm. put them on a phone. Don't put them on a screen. Um, play, let Mm -hmm. them play, let them wonder, let them be curious turn off all the screens and just put something in front of them and let them create, let them be bored and try to figure something out and then ask them the questions along the way. Look for those teachable moments during the play. If you're building with these blocks, can you count them for me? What do you notice about the way that they're, that you're building them? Sometimes if there's four or five of something, the kids might see them in part and whole. So how did you mm-hmm. know it was five without counting each of the, the blocks in the five? Right. And, and just looking for those moments in the play to help support them. But yeah. just let them play. Yeah. yeah. Such good advice. I, I want everybody to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's move to talking about the externship project. That's what I really am in um, eager to hear about. I want Ruth to hear about it too, because I think it yeah, applies to what, what you're doing. So Holly, what, do you want to give a brief outline of what our assignment was or do you want me to do that? You can. Okay. Um, so the main idea, so there are like 25 of us mm-hmm. in this program, right? Yeah. And last spring we all had to, or really before that, we really had to pick something that we were interested in and research it and do write a two, it was two weeks worth of lessons or was it one week? Mine was two. Yeah. One to two weeks worth of lessons that kind of puts your research into practice and then collect data and see what Mm -hmm. you figure out. And you had to have a math content focus Mm -hmm. and you had to have a pedagogy focus. And all of us, our, our math content focus was a little bit you know, our choices were not completely wide because we had to think about our pacing guide. So we had to look in most cases at what was happening during that point in the year. And so what, what math content do you want to study more about? And then what thing are you interested in trying kind of, and we had to do a lot of research, huge literature review, mm-hmm. um, that made us want to pull our hair out a little bit, <laughs> but, it, but it was really challenging in a good way. I feel yeah. like, um, so did I explain that okay? Yeah. Then we had to do it, teach the lessons, and then find, write about what you found out. So tell us what were the needs that you identified and, like, how you got to the point of picking what your topic was going to be. We had been focusing a lot on number talks in general in our school, and so I knew that there needed to be some more investigation on how we do that in middle school. Okay. And Ooh, you should probably talk about how your school is different than most schools. Like. Yes. So the school that I was working in was, a kin- was kindergarten through eighth grade. Okay. So it had secondary and primary in it. Okay. So we had really done some building of number talk work in elementary, but not as much in middle school. And we knew that kids very often either didn't have understanding of their facts that they could be learning through number talks, or they were just jumping to algorithms for particularly fractions. And so um, the 
investigation that I did for my research had to do with how students develop fluency within fraction multiplication, and it came after their deep investigation of math, um, of fraction multiplication and division using models and context and everything okay. was the unit before. Okay. Yes. Um, Ruth, do you have any questions so far? No, I'm, I'm good. So I'm guessing because you're a coach, your carryout of your practice was with different teachers or did you pick um, one teacher? Yeah. So at first I had this huge scope and I was like, we're going to do this across all middle school. But then we, I ended up just working with one teacher, a sixth grade teacher. Okay. All right. So tell us, um, like, tell us about your plan. What did you actually do? Yeah. And maybe as you're doing that, not to put you on the spot, but maybe talk about how you were incorporating the research that yeah. informed what you were doing. Absolutely. So I actually, so I started off with this idea of fluency. And as I was doing my research, I came across the term very often relational thinking. And it really relates to actually the work that we're doing in algebra right now, where Tracy and I are in an algebra course. And it's all about how students look for patterns of numbers, make generalizations based on the relationships that they're seeing mm -hmm. in those patterns of numbers, and become the owners of the rules that we normally just tell them. So normally we just tell kids, well, this works because of this, or that's a, tr a very traditional way of thinking um, and teaching. And instead, it's we pose these patterns for them to look at and make generalizations around. And then we ask them, well, does it always work? Right. And so they become the authority. And that was a big part of my research is, is how do we help students become the authority of the mathematics? And so with the the 10 days, it was very purposeful in the patterns that we were choosing. And we really wanted them to focus. I worked alongside the, the sixth grade teacher to pick the, the strands that we would think about. And we, we chose strands that had to do with um, the commutative property in okay. fraction multiplication and the distributive property okay. for fraction computation. Okay. So we often, um, we often unpack the ideas that might seem like duh to Ruth and I so that Jay can understand <laughs> with, the, with the hopes that if there's somebody listening who doesn't know, yeah. then that's, so t give us an example of like, or maybe even pick one number talk or, you know, unpack that a little bit. Like, what does that look like with fractal multiplication? So I'll do a commutative property one. Okay. So if we have, I feel like I should pull one up that we actually did, but if we have, um, a, when kids look at an expression that has two factors that we're multiplying together to get a product, if the relationship in the numbers makes sense for us to use the commutative property and switch the numerators, then they can do that in order to make the problem easier. So for example, if I have one third times nine twelfths, okay. I almost feel like I would wish I could write it, and you switch the nine and the one, now we have nine-thirds times one-twelfth, which is three times one-twelfth. Okay. So switching it to give yourself a whole number, using the commutative property to be able to give a whole number makes a lot of sense for doing mental math around um, fraction multiplication. Okay. Does that make sense? Are you following that? I understood all the words. <laughs> so so how, how does it become... 
Well, let me step back and say that that is something I've only learned in our program, yeah. like looking mm-hmm. at two fractions and that you can move the numerators or you could swap the numerators or swap the denominators. Yes, I absolutely. didn't know that before. Ruth, how long ago did you learn me that? Me neither, actually. <laughs> so I learned that about three years ago because a student pointed it out to me. Oh, and how powerful. Now, the way that I teach multiplying fractions is after we've done the discovery with the models and we've used the um, fraction pieces for them to figure out what, what problem did you say? You said one third times nine twelfths. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So a couple different things are going on with that problem, but eventually we get to the point where I just ask them if I wrote the fraction problem with one, wait for it, vinculum, right? Isn't that the bar too? Is that her, is oh. she saying it right? I don't I don't even know. I don't know. It's not viniculum, which we thought right. it was before. <laughs> the vinculum. That's what she told Anyways. Okay. The fraction bar. So on the top of that bar, you write one times nine. And on the bottom of that bar, you write, three times 12. So because you've turned that into two multiplication problems, the commutative property works. Yeah. Yeah. And we did a lot, like you said, starting with those models, like the area model and the um, fraction bars, we connected those into the number talks. So all of the number talks in the beginning of the 10 days really pulled in those models. So the kids could see how, when you're drawing the area model, for one third times nine twelfths, when you draw it and you shade for the area model and you shade in the piece of the overlap that shows the multiplication, like if we're saying one third of nine twelfths, mm-hmm. the, the area model shows that overlap, right? And then if you also shade in the commutative property version, the nine thirds of one twelfth, the same amount is shaded. Mm, so yeah. the kids can see that it doesn't matter if we swap the numerator because it's still the same product, the same amount is shaded. And so a lot of the early number talks tied that in so that the kids could truly believe it. Because like I said, if, if, if I just tell them, that doesn't mean that they really believe it. Yeah. And so it was testing it and asking that question of, well, does it always work? And if not, why? And also when, why would we use the commutative property to think mentally about problems? Because that's a big thing. We wouldn't always, it wouldn't make sense sometimes right. for us to do so- that. For me, Holly, my students use the commutative property so that they can find a fraction to simplify. Oh, yeah. Okay. So when I was teaching my daughter to multiply, and I this was years ago before I really understood what I was doing, I was showing them how to cross out the numerator and cross out the denominator and change it. That's simplifying, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like before you multiply, like do some simplifying before you actually multiply two fractions? So in your case, the problem you gave one third times nine twelfths, my students would have simplified nine twelfths to three fourths. Oh, okay. 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 Ahead of time. Yeah. But if you had started with like nine fifths times one twelfth, well, the commutative property allows me to make nine twelfths, and then I can simplify that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so that is a we're looking for fractions we can simplify. And my daughter didn't like all of the mess on her paper. 
So she would rewrite it using the commutative property, and then she would simplify it by writing it again instead of just cross out the numerator and change it. And for her, I felt like it really established a true understanding of why you were using the commutative property. Yeah. And ours was just so that they could mentally compute more mm-hmm. more easily. Which is the purpose of a number mental. talk, which is right. awesome. Yeah, yeah, that fluency piece. And so we ended up having just a little bit about what actually happened in the yeah. study. Um, when we first started, it was kind of a dagger in the heart, I guess. <laughs> I called Tracy a couple yeah. times with a little bit of frustration because in the beginning – all the kids, the majority of the kids in every period were pulling in rules and procedures that didn't apply to even multiplication of fractions. All these tricks that they had learned. I heard mad. I don't even know what that is. I heard keep change flip. I heard uh, the butterfly method. They were trying to use the butterfly method. That is Tracy's favorite method. (laughs) No, don't get the wrong idea. Death to the butterfly method. Uh, and and these were all coming out across all the class periods, and in a way, the it was really good because the number talk was a way for us to counter misconceptions. So we would bring it out, and we would ask that question: Well, does this make sense here? Because this is a strategy someone was using, and this other strategy gives us a different product. What does that tell us about this trick that yeah. we're trying to apply? Yeah. And that's what it started with. And then really the other thing that kids were really heavily relying on was the traditional algorithm. So back to the idea of the mental math, it was hard for the students. First of all, some of them didn't have all their fact fluency down. So multiplying across mm-hmm. led them to having a lot of errors. And then also the next step of that would be simplifying if we wanted it in simplest form. So moving away from the misconceptions and always relying on this traditional algorithm, they didn't, they didn't really have, they hadn't really made sense of, they Mm -hmm. were just applying a a procedure. So how did you assess your effect? So we did, I interviewed all the kids after the 10 days to see so in the beginning, 0% of students, there wasn't a single student who used a relational thinking strategy. So no one looked for a relationship in the numbers to use a property, um, an arithmetic property to that would make sense for them to use to solve the problem. And so then I interviewed them again after 10 days, and 20% of the kids after 10 days used a strategy based on their relationship of numbers, which cool. was really cool. Was it just like one, was your interview just one question? What did that look like? It was a set of four questions. Okay. And each of the four was designed to look similar to the ones in the strings, just obviously different numbers to see if they noticed a relationship within the numbers that they could apply a strategy to. to, And they had to do it mentally. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Ruth, did you have any questions before I keep going? Um. Just a selfish question. Is your research and your streams going to be in our show notes? Like the problems that you use? Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. I pulled most of them, honestly, from Sherry Parrish's fraction book. Oh, I I got that. I just haven't gotten through it yet. But but it would be really cool to see the order. Absolutely. Because you put so much effort into thinking of how you were going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And she's cited in it. So I'll just pull it and... Awesome. I yeah, like I, I, we we'll also get you to draw the the model of the particular problem we've been talking about Absolutely. the nine twelfths and one third and and put that in there if and and show how I thought it was one twelfth and nine thirds. 
Oh, whatever it was, the problem. See, that's why I need it. I need a picture. <laughs> I was yeah. doing oh, you the commutative. Switch thing. Oh, I got it. Nice job, Jay. Thanks. Picturing the area model in here. Yeah, head. yeah, that's right. He had mm-hmm. totally had a picture in his mind. So yeah, we'll get that and we'll put that on our show notes. Um, so we have time to talk about one more thing. I could talk to you all day about math, Holly. I know. Some days we do talk all day about math. I do have to tell you guys one more other awesome thing that came from these number talks yeah. and countering the misconception. About a quarter of the kids in the beginning of the the project used misapplied a trick. Okay. Keep change flip, mad, whatever that is, all those other things. And by the end of the 10 days, only 5% of them did. Wow. So even though we, we had 20% movement in relational thinking, we at least had a huge drop in the the students actually applying um, misconceptions. Awesome. And so Which I just wonder. You would have to think, Holly, that those students – are using relational thinking without being able to say what they're doing because they're getting it right. And there's an understanding of multiplying. I I think that a lot of them ended up moving to just using the traditional algorithm. Okay. That's one of the questions I posed about it is, are they truly understanding what they're doing? Or have they just seen other kids use the traditional algorithm and know that that works with this? You know, I posed that question of like next step. I'm not sure that they were in the group that moved to... Hmm. knowing that they could think about a property and some sort of relationship to make sense of the numbers. Because the, the strings that I chose in the post-interview all were ones that it wouldn't make sense for us to just use the traditional algorithm. It wouldn't hmm. be a simple way to gotcha. think mentally about the problem. Yeah. So if you were going to be a sixth-grade math teacher or if you were going to coach – a sixth grade math teacher, how would you, what would you want them to do to apply what you've learned in this particular project? Is that too big of a question? (laughs) The coaching aspect of it was really interesting. I think working with the teacher I worked with, it was really an understanding that intentionality behind number talks Mm -hmm. and how necessary it is to pose really the same question over and over again, like, do you believe it? Again, how do we know that it always is true? And I would be interested to go to representational proofs. And I know we don't have time to talk yeah. about it here, but yeah. that would be a really interesting way to take this to the next level, either as a teacher or in coaching this particular teacher in a next step. Of, she would be ready for that. Yeah. So we, Ruth, this is something we're doing right now in our class, in our algebra class. And it, you're right. It's too big to tackle in the mm-hmm. last three minutes that we have. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, I just finished the last episode we recorded was where I kind of like took everything I learned in the statistics class and kind of threw it up on the table to Ruth and Jay. And Jay was like, oh, That was great. a lot of throw up on the table. We're going to talk about <laughs> statistics for a whole hour. Going to be great. But they ended up thinking it was really fun, right? It was. Yes, I do. I, I mean, <laughs> so, I remember enjoying it. I hope to do the same for algebra, and I'll be sure to talk about representation, yeah. representation-based proofs. Because um, I think that's an illogical next step from out of this discussion yeah, that we've had here. absolutely. So it's coming, Ruth, and everyone else. I can't wait till Monday on our run. Yeah, Yay. that's right. Oh, wait, I, I do have – I do want to ask one more question before okay. we go, and okay. then our takeaways. I keep, I say that like 10 times at the yes. end of every podcast. <laughs> um, you tell us a little bit about where you're going to get to share this because you've been asked to share your research, I right? Have, and yes. talk, talk a little bit about that and what you're, what you're thinking so far. So I, I was asked to present on my research um, – at the Virginia Mass Specialist Conference this year. And so I'm putting together the proposal now. Mm-hmm. And 
I reached out to Tracy when I first got asked to do that because I, I've never presented in this way before. I've never taken my own research and presented it. Yeah. It's always been, you know, presenting other people's ideas in a way that you're learning. So right. I'm exploring yeah. different ways to do that, and I'm not really sure yet, honestly. I would say, um, if I had, not that I have suggestions, I don't know, to think of who am I to have suggestions for you, but I would say, Definitely do a number talk with them. Absolutely, as maybe a it. fraction one even. I think so. Because yeah, and then make sure. I would say make sure you know if you're a table session or oh, a regular <laughs> session. <laughs> now you're gonna have to explain that. <laughs> Go ahead. So That's at BCTM, I was presenting on MythBoss and how you could use it to enhance your teaching, and I thought I was gonna get in front of the room and present, and the day. Before we were driving there and Tracy was like, Ruth, did you know your table session and you should have a trifold board? <laughs> so we were did in you put one together very quickly in the Airbnb <laughs> in this tiny little town. She oh, went no. to the little drugstore to get their like one trifold or whatever. <laughs> yeah. In the Airbnb at night. It was crazy. Uh, that yeah that was a fun night that was a fun night jay was there too all three of us oh, yeah. were sharing one tiny little airbnb on a llama farm oh, yeah it was a llama farm no it was an alpaca farm okay alpaca farm you know whatevs banana, all right. banana. yeah all right well we will certainly talk more i'm sure about how you end up you know deciding to share and it's really exciting to that you're going to share your research and yeah, that's out there awesome. for other people. I know. Tracy's going to help me some more. She just doesn't know it yet. Okay. Deal. <laughs> All right. Well, Holly, we have really appreciated you being here doing this with us. And um, I feel like I have learned a lot in the last few years, you know, from you. And it's, it's not going to stop. Way. I feel like I have a great resource in you. So thank yep. you for and always the- sharing. <laughs> All right, Ruth, I will see you on a run Monday. Okay. Are we doing takeaways? Yes. Sorry. Okay. Gosh, I got all Dang, distracted. I was going to let you go. I okay. Gonna... My takeaway is um, that the switching the numerators could just be another trick if you let it. Mm-hmm. But I like what Holly did of pairing that with the model every time so that they believed it. I think that's important. That's my takeaway. So, so for me, my takeaway is Monday on the run, I'm going to learn about how to take that to the next level with representational thinking. Yes. Representational proofs. Awesome. And then hopefully Proof. we'll talk okay. about it on a podcast soon. All right. <laughs> Do you have a takeaway, Holly? Yes. I think my takeaway is how, well, can I say one about the podcast itself? Yeah, it's sure. my first time on a podcast. Yay. So my, my takeaway is just about the, fu- how much fun this is, the, pro- just the whole process of talking about math for almost an hour Mm -hmm. and bouncing ideas off each other. It's just everyone should do it. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) Thank you. Do you have a takeaway, Jay? Um, That whole thing with with when you were talking about multiplying fractions and being able to switch the numerators, no idea. No idea you could do that. Like like, like a light bulb. And it made sense when you explained it, but I would have never. So if somebody had said, had tried that in front of me, I'm like, yeah, try that again. You messed up. Put that, take that back. <laughs> oh, you can't so you do wouldn't that have believed it yet. No. <laughs> awesome. And so do you believe it now because you have some model in your head or are you, oh, this is the proof. Are you taking yep. us because of the authority of like Holly said, so it must be true? Where are you in the yes. in your understanding? <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't, we don't have the model here to look at, but yeah. that made sense when she's, when she explained it that way that, you know, the, 
shaded area of the fraction mm-hmm. is this you know you compare them and they're the same and then when you when Ruth talked about having like the one times nine over three times twelve yeah. that made sense too when she explained it. I mean so I I didn't see it today right but I did it did two examples of, of things that made sense awesome yeah this is all, all about the whole proving in, in our class. So I can't tell you about it on a run, Ruth. All right. <laughs> Thanks again, Holly, for joining us. Thank and you. And Ruth, I'll see you on a run. We'll make sure we go to the right um, – we'll go to the same place, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we were supposed to swim on Friday, and we went to two different YMCAs. <laughs> but we found each other eventually. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Before I Ruth. called Jay to tell him. I've lost your wife. Yeah. <laughs> we were just at the wrong line. Yeah. All right. Thanks, friend. See ya. All right. Bye. bye.